listening to this, walking your dog and sort of panicked paranoia as people walk around without masks or maybe you're in your car. I know there's at least 85 of you who listen to some or all of this podcast. <laughs> um, we had a great talk with Jess McIntosh last episode, and today we have Ray Sani, uh, who is a stand-up comedian. Uh, she wrote for The Good Place. She writes for Black Lady Sketch Show, and she was a writer for The President Show. And uh, Ray is... A good old friend, uh, someone who um, did the Tony show uh, in, at the UCB East back in the day. Uh, she'd do stand-up, and I would act insane. And um, uh, along with uh, Emmy Blotnick and Allison Leiby, uh, Emmy Blotnick, uh, of course, is our fir- was our first guest ever on Coffee with Tony, and Leiby is coming up. Uh, but there's three comedians who did the uh, Tony show who ended up on President Show. Uh, so who says that doing someone's variety show doesn't pay off? Um, anyway, I uh, hadn't spoken with Ray in a long time. Uh, I think we're both pretty equally uh, irresponsible when it comes to responding to people and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and I love that. I actually love uh, friends like that because... Uh, I sort of enjoy friendships where no one really holds anyone to account. We just sort of let it be, uh, which is really great. And so, of course, we had a monster conversation, I think almost three hours. And I've somehow pared it down to 45 minutes. Now, I do have a 20-minute bonus that you have to go to patreon.com slash Tony and sign up to hear the bonus interview with Ray. And I'm going to start backlogging and adding bonus episodes bonus uh, interview stuff from other interviews. Um, uh, but this will be the first real bonus. Uh, so Ray and I, I think we were both pretty much like if you took two ping pong balls and ejected them at full force into a plastic walled cube, uh, we just bang all around. Um so editing this was a challenge because normally I'm talking to somebody who's a little less like me and uh, can move from subject to subject so easily. Um, but no, Ray and I are both like that. And so therefore, uh, I really did uh, weave it together, I think, in a way that makes sense. Makes sense to me. And I'm sure when Ray listens to it, it'll make sense to her. But our minds work maybe just a little differently. I should stop speaking just for Ray uh, and let Ray speak for herself. Um, so I hope you enjoy my interview with Ray Sani. So you don't say Peabody, you say Peabody. Peabody, Peabody Mass. <laughs> <laughs> when, Sounds like you're an old Jewish lady saying puberty, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I mean, I could do that too. Uh, <laughs> but when Flossie, the first time we were driving back from somewhere and we were visiting Massachusetts and she goes, Peabody, I go, no, no, that's Peabody. And she goes, come on. She goes, you got it. And she did not believe me. We got home and I go, Steven, how do you pronounce, you know, Peabody? And he goes, Peabody? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's all that, that colonial shit. That's so interesting. That kind of reminds me. It's not quite the same, but it's kind of similar um and since you know we watch bravo you probably may have heard of this show married to medicine la i haven't watched la 
Oh, the LA one is boring. Don't waste your time. But okay. I'm watching it because um, one of the girls is a friend of a friend. But she was saying that um, she was saying that in Baldwin Hills, which is like the Black Beverly Hills. Apparently, yes, yes. She was saying she was saying <laughs> that in Baldwin Hills, rodeo is called rodeo. So like no. when the when the black people get to their side of town, <laughs> they just call it rodeo drive. <laughs> uh, I did it's not like know crazy. about rodeo drive. I did not know that part of rodeo drive. But I every time I would drive to the airport, you see the Baldwin Hills sign. Yeah, right? and I would always say to I remember I would be driving with whoever I was going to the airport with, I go, well, I go, there's the black Beverly Hills. And they go, you can't say that. And I go, why? I go, that's what it is. This, that's, that's what, the black that's Beverly why, Hills. Yeah. Why like, wouldn't the you be able to say that? Well, cause white people are fragile. We're going to get into all that. <laughs> yes, I mean, half the are. fucking time you say anything, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you're like, oh, <laughs> relax for fuck's sake. You know? Uh, yes. The overwokeness of white people in the oh, last yeah. three weeks has been astonishing to behold. Is it? It's amazing. <laughs> I would think. I, I think my favorite is watching people, the Twitter pretzel twists that people get yes. into, trying yes. to be virtuous, trying to explain things. It's well. Tell me. You know what? You're yesing. So just tell me what's your What's your favorite? Is there what? a favorite you have? And then we'll get into oh. Crystalia. We got to get into Crystalia for a little bit. Oh my God, we do. It's amazing. We, it's astonishing. Um, the so it's been a slow trickle, right? And obviously, George Floyd sort of exploded this like you can't not say anything, right? It was like this. But I've been slowly starting to hate social media, Twitter in particular, in general. Uh -huh. But um, you combine the the whole Trump presidency yeah. um, with uh, people so nervous and anxious about this coming election. The mm. intensity around primary season was insane. Uh -huh. in, <laughs> yeah. And I had a lot of dust ups, um, mostly with Bernie supporters because they got nuts. But my favorite was actually with a Kamala Harris supporter, a white woman, Kamala Harris supporter. Because um, everyone at the time, and I think Twitter did the best they could given the circumstances recently, but they were late on it. And the whole tech industry's philosophy about letting political figures lie is crazy. Yes. But but um, I personally believe you cannot de-platform the president of the United States. I just think you can't. It's an absurd notion. Okay. I mean, like, I think what they did was, you know, when they were like, ah, this tweet violates our terms of service for, you know, instigating violence, or this is a blatant lie. I think that they should do that on really big issues. But I personally don't believe that a private company this wildly, widely used, one of the largest social media platforms in the world, should deplatform the president. The way you deplatform a president like that is to not elect a horrible person like that. Yeah, that, that's would, true. that would use Twitter that way, right? Like yes. you can't, 
you can't treat the office as if it's not the office just because the person in the office is unbecoming. Can I ask you this? Do you think that he, this was my thought always was why not have him force him to tweet from the POTUS account though? Yes. I think that that that's, I think that that's fair because then it has to be on the record. Because then it's, subject it's on the to record. Other, yeah. Right. And then it's subject to all these other, you know, sort of rules and all. I'm with you there. But okay. There you go. Deleting yep. the president's account. No, like, that's remember crazy. That, remember that day that we got, we were like about to tape at the president's show and some like temp worker deleted Trump's account right before you were about to tape. Yes. Oh my God. I forgot about that. And then yes. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. But then it never, it was, it was temporary. Thank but God I, we didn't write anything on the fly in that. It would have been like yeah. so lame. Yes, but I wanted to, cause I was yeah. like, ah! I but, know, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but so, uh, a Kam- so like a Kamala Harris supporter was like, you, I also should be clear. I was supporting Elizabeth Warren. I'm playfully a stand, but I don't think it's smart to stand political figures because ultimately they are tools. They're not people you're supposed to be rooting for. Right. But hey, wait, um, explain to our audience stand because a lot of my audience is over 50, just like the president. <laughs> so actually it's really kind of insane. I, I just heard you say just like the president show. <laughs> <laughs> can I tell you an honest tweet I got? This is just a quick sidebar. Someone wrote when I like retweeted the him walking up and down the slants and stuff. And yes. everyone was like, oh my God, I missed the show. And one person wrote, my 89-year-old mother loved that show. And I was like, this is why we're not on the air. This is why. Because everyone's dead from COVID. If we had been on the air now, everyone would have been dead. We, they would literally just be one audience member right now. Yeah, they'd go from one day to the next, one week to the next. They'd be like, I don't know. The numbers just fell off by like 70. Honestly, we wouldn't even need Trump and his government to track COVID. All we would have to do is check our audience and our ratings. <laughs> Yes. Okay, go on. So a stan, sorry. Okay, a stan is an extreme fan and it's come to mean something of like real cultural significance. I think that it is very, very, um, I also have a problem with stan culture, so whatever. But like, uh, I don't think that it's uh, an accident. Well, it's not an accident. It's where the term came from. It's a song called Stan by Eminem where he talks about an obsessed fan who like he raps in his voice and sends him a bunch of letters a bunch of letters um and because eminem doesn't respond to him and he feels really like not like not valuable as a human in the song the guy stan murders his pregnant girlfriend and kills himself by driving off a bridge with the girlfriend in the trunk and then the that's the first three verses of the song and then the final verse is eminem finally responding to this to the first letter but while he's writing his response he looks up to the news and sees the person he's writing the letter to has just murdered his girlfriend so the fact that people call themselves stands is insane but also is is indicative of how crazy the obsessive culture is in my opinion Yes. But, yeah. Yo, I agree uh, with you. 
<laughs> I agree crazy. with you because it's crazy. And I also we can get into the whole hardcore fan base thing in all sorts of areas and how fucked up it can be. Yeah, especially like in science fiction, you know, it was like the whole weird like. I mean, I'm not to surprised. Identify, to literally identify yourself, not just of, as a fan of any one particular thing. We're all fans of stuff. I sure. love other people's art and other people's creations a lot. But yeah. for your whole personal identity That's a to problem. be someone else's imagination or creativity is such a bizarre thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's a weird, I think we're gonna look back at some point and do some psychological um, anthropology of this time and yeah. look at the number of different inputs or new media inputs and exposures into the consciousness and into our way of processing information that the overload was so much that I think what you ended up getting was these strange sort of tumors, these psychic tumors, <laughs> right? Where, I agree with you. You know, where it expresses itself in these ways that, that, that become universal because everyone's exposed to them. Yeah, I honestly am so curious to see the brain of a millennial like myself. I'm 32, I'll be 33 in December. And then- You don't I, look at Ray. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. You know, I'm out here looking like a 15 year old boy, you know? <laughs> oh, Crystal Lee is ready to ring you up. <laughs> I'm a boy though, unfortunately. Oh, maybe, you know, whatever. <laughs> You never know what he. You never know what he's into. I only look like a boy. I still have a, a box. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, I'm very curious. I would love to see like a cat scan of my brain post social media. So that was like 2004, 2005 for me. So I, I was 17. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see the brain of a 17 year old right now who's always had social media. Yes. I'm very curious as to what they, um, what parts of the brains have become enlarged, what things respond to stimuli, what mm -hmm. things are not getting stimulated anymore. Cause I think there's a lot of stuff like that too. I'm just very fascinated. But this uh, Kamala Harris stan yes. was saying, look at my recall, isn't that great? I know, um, well, that part has an atrophied. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure there's like some 17 year old being like, why was I here, what were we talking about? Um, <laughs> But um, Kamala, like a Kamala stan was saying, oh, you know, deep flat platform the president, he, his tweets are gonna get people of color killed. And I, and, you, and they, that person was saying, fuck Elizabeth Warren for not coming along. Do you remember that for oh. one of the first debates where like yes. Kamala was like, say Twitter should take him off. And, yes. Kamala, and Elizabeth didn't because it's a stupid fucking thing to say. Yeah, 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 well, it's a stupid thing to say. And also Kamala really did some big swings in those first few debates, Yeah, right? These sort of big swings that got initial attention but sort of faded off. Yes, because she was debating for Twitter instead of debating yeah, in real life exactly yeah so so like so after one of these debates an elizabeth warren stan account uh, kamala stan account was saying shit about elizabeth warren for not and i was like yeah because it's a dumb thing to say like you can't yeah. deplatform the president and this white woman okay oh, yeah. i'm ready for it i'm ready rooting for 
same black woman and I, black woman, was rooting for a white one, <laughs> she goes, you don't care if, if people of color die and you don't like, like you are callous or some shit like that. Something to the, basically accusing me of being complicit in the murder of people of color by saying that I don't think Donald Trump ought Twitter. to be the platform. <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah. <laughs> I... Did you get enraged? I did. Because that's I did what I do. That's what happens to me on Twitter. I do, but I'm trying to not let myself get enraged anymore because I had like an extended incident with a couple Bernie supporters in February. And I was like, okay, Rafa, even though you're right, you can't do this anymore. It doesn't look good no matter who is arguing what I'm in a kerfuffle with Jack Allison. Mm. And oh, like what a waste need, of time. And like, we didn't need to be there, you know? Right. Like right. I didn't, I didn't need to. Right. And so I am trying to not fight with people online anymore, but that like, when a white woman voting for Kamala Harris told me that I don't give a shit about the murder of people of color because I want Donald, I don't want Donald Trump deplatformed. And it's not even that I don't want him. I just don't think it's a reasonable expectation right. to have him deplatformed. Um, I was like, okay, y'all are wildin'. And yeah. then in, in the last two or three weeks, I'm like, oh, y'all have jumped out the fucking window. <laughs> oh, yeah. I watch people get whipped up into a frenzy and start talking about things they do not un do not know, don't understand. And the big one for me in this whole movement of what's going on right now, I wonder what you think about this. My feeling is, is that here's the moment where Black Lives Matter as a movement has actually reached the kitchen table, right? Yeah. It's not It's not associated with the sort of like, sh you know, fucked images of like those like two new Black Panthers from like the voting thing from like two, those like two like kind of guys in like oversized pants who were sort of wandering around in front of that voting, <laughs> right? And that became like the like the threat. Did you see the new, did you see the, the uh, recent picture? No, they hired, <laughs> they hired three black actors to go dress up like new Black Panther Party, go to the Atlanta protests and, <laughs> and protect the police with their fake guns. It was so crazy. And then everybody was like, these are actors and the actors apologize. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, but what was crazy was somebody was like, oh, I could tell from her makeup she was an actor. So then I zoomed in on the picture and she's fully wearing like glitterly, glittery silver eyeliner <laughs> and a bright red lip. I mean, she went in there for yeah. the pot, okay? <laughs> I also love the idea of like being in the position where you are like, yeah, it's fucking, it's a day of work. It's a day of work. It's some <laughs> money. Know, right? Cause you know, that thinking, I know that thinking yes, where I'm like, I, I guess, know right. That I'm like, oh, I guess, sure. I'll do, I'll be, yeah. a, no one will see me. Maybe I'll get <laughs> it out of there in time. 
like the pragmatism of it. And you see that, the, and so, so, but my favorite thing is, is here it is, it's arrived. It's a moment that seems like, but despite of course, all the, you know, sort of like saccharine corporate, you know, little title cards and all that you stuff, imagine? right? Can it's you all imagine? gross. But Can it's you imagine being McDonald's and telling me <laughs> that you give a fuck about my life? <laughs> well, Are you crazy? of course. I love that they don't know what to do, too. You see, because with COVID, here's the interesting thing with COVID, right? In the, the good old days of just the pandemic. The, <laughs> You remember, what was it about? I think it was about a week and a half before that, the first COVID commercial, right? And it was piano and it was families and, and it was, I think, an ad for Facebook. And they really tried to disguise it as like a resource center for COVID, but it was just an ad Oh, for yes. Facebook, right? I remember seeing something like right? this. Yes, so yes. the marketers got it. Oh, okay. We get, we get the exploitational zone. The zone mm -hmm. is their emotions, their sense of separation, and 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 now we can connect the brand with this sense of isolation, and that will uh, prostitute their fear and 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 take the 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 panic and anxiety they have and turn it into consumption, right? Mm -hmm. So you can understand it. I don't condone it, I but I, I, I love talking to you. I love talking to you. I love talking to you because, like. You're conspiracy minded, but not a conspiracy theorist. No, never. So you say things like prostitute their fear. Like it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's so delightful. I, we should I start don't know talking. Anybody who talks like that. I know. You miss the writer's room? I'm well, I do. maybe somewhat miss the writer's room. Some of it. Some of it. Some of it. But I do miss you and Mitra and Evan. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Jason. Yeah, I remember them. It's great. I had a blast on that show. I had a blast on that show, too. It, you know, I mean, I think about it now and I think about. Oh, and Gembo, duh. Your office mate. My office oh, Gembo mate. Gembo says and hello. Emily. Hi, Gembo. I know <laughs> Gembo. he's not there. I know you guys tape your podcast another day, but hi, Gembo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we do the Twitch, too. We play Twitch. We play video games three nights a week. Do you know what? I'm not an old person, but stuff like that, it like instantly <laughs> transports me to the body of like a curmudgeonly 75-year-old white man in the South. Just like, Whoa. so these people are just watching you play them damn games. <laughs> yes. Uh, but so I got back and I went, I've got to like get into the new world, I guess, and figure out how mm -hmm. to maintain some income i don't know how long this is going to go or what's going to happen yeah it's so weird too because there are people who go to school for this sort of thing they're like yes. okay these people respond to this thing whatever whatever i just talk to my friends about reality tv and people will venmo me things and i'm just it's like amazing, i'm right? watching the same fucking show you're watching yes just, yeah why are you paying me to watch a show <laughs> Because that's the world. Reality, for some reason, is the world where everyone wants to hear. The most yeah. noticed I ever was was on that um, show that Casey Wilson hosts with Bitch Sesh. Bitch Sesh. I yeah. People still go, oh, from Bitch Sesh, Anthony. You're and I go, how? How is that mm -hmm. the thing that you? 
But yet I know but it also, because we know it. But also you also have to take into account that you are a man who is married to a woman mm. and you lean completely into this genre that men love to pretend they don't watch. Yo, and yeah. so yeah. there's there's like the other added element. It's like not only does Anthony have fun things to say about these things, but also he's not even frightened. He's just going to lean the fuck in. That is true. I do lean the fuck in. And I'd like you to lean your ear in to this commercial, and then we'll be right back. Do you love gaming? Do you love streaming? Do you love comedy? Then you'll cream your jeans when you streams Shoddy Fatty. Shoddy Waddy? No, that's Shoddy Fatty on Twitch. What's Twitch? Only the number one gamer streaming platform, and Tony's on it, playing with his friends, TV's members, John Gemberling, Gamertag, Pleasant Prick, plus Chatmaster, Sam Gripple. Tune in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 12.15 a.m. Eastern, 9.15 p.m. Pacific, for all the laughs and action at twitch.tv backslash shattyfatty. That's twitch.tv backslash s-h-a-t-t-y-f-a-t-t-y. And once you follow and subscribe to Shatty Fatty, you must follow and subscribe to Johnny G's Twitch stream as well. That's twitch.tv backslash pleasant prick. That's twitch.tv backslash p-l-e-a-s-a-n-t-p-r-i-q-u-e. Tune in today. If we in the business of firing people, why did he stop with, you know, like uh, aside from the racism, aside from the racism, we're yes. not talking about racism firings because that's yes. a whole other That's a whole other, firing. which we'll get into. <laughs> yes. But why are they scared to fire the OGs from other franchises if they have no problem firing Vicky? I'm not saying I have a problem with them firing Vicky. I'm right. like, if you're brave enough to fire Vicky, then Teresa can go. Yeah, yo, yeah, yeah. Like, but you're also talking, I think they're always afraid because there's a lot of people who follow. I think because Vicky waned so much, the cancer thing... I that the kids are really that, that Brooks really ruined Brooks. any shot at yeah, <laughs> like Brooks ruined everything. No redemption. <laughs> she was terrible before, but that was a specific <laughs> slice yes. of terrible for yes. a year and a half, two years there. Yeah. Although I think Tamra's a worse human being. I Believe think Tamra's me. a worse human being, but better TV. Better TV, but I you can see she hit she's hit her kids. I would guess. You think so? Oh, don't As you? As a person who got beat, what kind of hit are you talking about? Are you talking about spanking or are you talking about ass whoopings? Because I didn't get ass whoopings. I in, got spanked. In, well, I got like slapped on the knee and like slapped. Like, oh, no, I, no, no, no. like punches to the knee. No, no, no. I didn't get beat. No, my mom was too much of a hippie. Oh, right. But we didn't get close fisted. So no. we didn't get no close fists. Um, you can't punch anybody. My parents would beat us with a belt or um, they had this like wooden spoon. There's this like African uh, wooden spoon that you use to make like, um, do you watch Top Chef? Yeah, but not this most recent season. Did, did you see Eric's first season where he talks about fufu a lot? Yes. 
Yes. I mean, so, I, it's vague in my mind, but I do know what you're talking about. And I'll tell you so, about my time on Top Chef Masters, by the way. Oh, you have to. So, um, so Eric would make fufu if he made it the traditional way he didn't on top chef there's like a thick wooden spoon that you have to use to stir it because it's like a thick kind of doughy thing once you start putting the pounded yam in the water so my parents would hit us with that if we were really bad and then after and then we're african of course we got beat and then um oh no i'm just thinking of the fufu spoon being the thing that <laughs> i think i had a whole thing about like would you then enjoy fufu less that's actually where I was going. That's, that's. No, it's actually, actually, whenever my mom like mails me African food because I don't know how to shop for it in LA, she definitely mails me fufu all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't affect it. I also still wear, still wear belts if needed. But, um, but then when this is, I think hilarious, but also like I don't know, cruel or not. But um, when my parents decided that they couldn't hit us anymore and that the disappointed talk or yelling at us wasn't enough, but we mm. weren't like old enough to be grounded. So I'd say maybe like 10, 11, 12. Yeah. My parents would make me do this thing. Are you ready? Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. No, I'm it joking. Was... I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing no, it for a fact. I'm doing it for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah, yeah, suck my dad's dick or anything. Yeah, like. it'd be so great if you were like, suck my dad's dick. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. I was like, no. Why is this coming? There's no coming. I'm wrong. So let's say I was like rolling my eyes and talking back to my mom. She'd be like, okay, go pull your ears and go up and down. So I would literally have to hold on to my ears. I'm showing Anthony audience. You can't see it, obviously. But I would pull my ears like this. She's pulling the lobes. Uh, and then I would have to do squats up and <gasps> down without using my hands to, like, balance on my knee or support myself or Ooh, anything that's like that. good exercise. It's Great exercise. I always had lactic acid buildup. Like, like I specifically remember being in fifth grade, and I like was what we you were we were in the, on the fourth floor of my elementary school, and I just had, was in so much pain walking up those stairs, and, and my teacher was like, "What happened to you?" And I was like, I explained that my mom would pull my ears and go up and down for 20 minutes the night before. And then Miss Rapuano was like, what did you do? I was like, oh, I rolled my eyes and talked back when she told me to do the dishes. And then she goes, good for your mom. And then it keeps walking. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> that's Italian, right? Rapurano, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. And, that's why. And it's so Brooklyn too. It's like Man. all of my uh, elementary schools. The I went to public school only from like fourth grade to sixth grade. Mm. But when I was in the public school in my neighborhood, East New York and Brooklyn, all the teachers were white, mm. and they were all Italian or Jewish, <laughs> and there was like a chunk of the teachers who are all Italian from Long Island and all related. Oh. So like, <laughs> they were like, 
like the main family was the Espositos, but <laughs> Miss Rapuano was Jason Esposito's my fourth grade teacher. He was her cousin. No. <laughs> That's insane. Like, and and Mr. Esposito's mom, Mrs. Esposito, was uh, like the head of the school or like just under the principal. And then Mr. Esposito's wife, Sharon, was a second grade teacher. It was very, very intense. Is that why now? Because I only went to public. I did high school public sophomore through senior, but it was because it was in a town that my best friend Dave went to and it was essentially a private school. It was one of the richest mm -hmm. districts in Massachusetts and Chelsea is mm -hmm. one of the poorest. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I will never forget my claim to fame with my, with my family watching 60 minutes. We would, every Sunday we would sit and have dinner and watch 60 minutes. And one day, that's very like, Oh, of course we were like new England, like, you know, Boston <laughs> watching Cheers and, you know, and like watching Cheers and group like family 16. Yes. Yes. What? And no. Friday nights was Dallas. I would sit at the foot of my parents bed. And That's that was sweet. the big exciting thing was I got to watch Dallas. Um, the the they go. They're like, you know, it's like tick, 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 tick. The poorest city in the United States, Chelsea, <laughs> Massachusetts, and it's lit. And I go, Mom, I go, that's where we live. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ! Um, so, like, I got the school choice to go up there for high school. Now, the only other public school I did was um, I did second grade. I did mm -hmm. one year of second grade in Chelsea Public School, and it and it was like regressive. It was just yeah. I can't it, imagine you learned anything. And second grade is such an important year, but an also easily not treated well year. Yeah, I, I got like. used to get hung from the coat rack. I would be bad, and then my teacher would hang me from the coat rack by my shirt, Excuse and I would me, and what? I would hang there. I would hang there, like excuse oh, oh. me. Yeah, but like what? yes. Yes, there was like I what think, you were like meat on a meat rack. Yes, yes, that is insane. Mrs. Martin, she was ninety-two years old. Ninety-two oh, so she, in nineteen eighty. Oh, so she had like she had like slavery tactics. You know what I mean? Yeah, she, you my know, mother was, had her. My mother had her as a teacher. Oh, oh okay. wow. So like it was. So then, didn't your mom know she was abusive? Why did your mom leave you in there? I, I, well, my mom. No, no. To my mother's credit, I think one, my mother just glossed over that, right? So when I right. went in the class, I she was like, "Oh, Miss Martin," I don't know. and then mm -hmm. she got wind. I think what it was was we had a parent teacher thing, and we went in there, and, and Miss Martin started to make an example of me in front of the parents and the, te the oh, students, wow. right? And my mom. Oh man, I'll never forget. My mom lit into her right in front of everybody and then grabbed mm -hmm. my arm and went, come on, let's go. And like, Ooh, we I just walked it. out like, oh yeah. I've seen my mother go fucking ballistic in supermarkets and like, you know, <laughs> in defense of like, in defense of me. Uh, no, I or, love that. There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing I love more than watching a mom bug out on somebody trying to pick on their kid. It just yes. makes me so fucking happy. Yes. So fucking happy. So I did. Like, you're not going to talk to my son like that. Fuck out of here. That's exactly <laughs> right. My mother was not about to deal in like to this day, my mom still 83. And I'm like, oh, this person, <laughs> my mom be like, you tell them. I'm like, mom, relax. <laughs> this COVID, relax. But so 
did did you have the same thing of sort of like your parents went, you know what? I think we need to go private. Because then isn't there a thing with being a private school kid where you sort of are like, you, I find I have to be like, I find for me, I have to go, listen, you know, we went, but like my parents got a loan and my grandparents paid for it. And like, yeah. you know, it wasn't like this thing, but like where we lived, like there was these choices and that was what it was. So I find myself always having to defend it, you know, because people judge it. If you say mm -hmm. I went to private school, there's immediately a judgment. Do you find that mm. experience or... Well, so this is where you get to be white and I get to be black. Perfect. And then we, Perfect and, topic. And then, um, and so uh, for me, um, private school, I won't, let me not make it a racial issue for everybody, but I think okay. for Nigerian Muslim immigrants mm -hmm. who would like come here to give their kids a better life. And I think truly for a lot of black American people or, or, you know, immigrant people, but just black in America, yep. uh, uh, private school is an accomplishment that they are very proud of because yes. they don't have access to it a lot often. Yes. Or yes. at least, you know, for race reasons, for socioeconomic reasons, all kinds of things. So it's like, obviously kids will make fun of a kid for being a smart nerd or whatever. Right. And, you know, we'll tease them for their private school uniform because that's what kids do. But ultimately it's like, oh my God, so-and-so person got into a private school. Good for them, whatever. And I think for me and the people I grew up around, because I grew up relatively poor in the hood in Brooklyn, the presumption was that I was a scholarship kid because I was. And, um, okay. and, um, <clears throat> but my private school, and this is the, this is primarily for me where the race divide between us comes. So I was in private school. My parents sent me on their own dime from first to third grade. We were in a like Muslim. So the way people have Catholic schools, there's yes. a Muslim school in Queens. Yeah. And my brother and I were there. <clears throat> they oh, couldn't okay. afford it. They couldn't afford it anymore. So my brother was third to fifth grade. I was first to third grade. Mm -hmm. They couldn't afford it anymore. They put me in the public school in my neighborhood, fourth grade. And <clears throat> in the middle of fourth grade, I like they saw that I was an advanced student. So they submitted my name to test for a program called Prep for Prep. And what Prep for Prep does is they take students of color in lower income neighborhoods and they'll say, uh, you have to pass this entrance exam. If you get past these ex entrance exams, your IQ test is good. Then you have to do 14 months of extra school, which is like I did summer school. Then in my sixth grade year, while I was still in my public school, I did Wednesdays and Saturdays classes at Prep for Prep. And then the following summer so that I could be placed in seventh grade at my private school. And wow. they do it because our public schools are so far behind the independent schools that they're going to place us mm -hmm. in that they need to catch us up. You and catch so, up. Yeah. so like, so like, for example, in my, I went to a gifted public school for sixth grade too. So I was very fortunate in that way, but like, when I went to visit the school I ended up being in, I went to St. Anne's. And um, when I went to visit St. Anne's to see if I was gonna wanna go there or whatever, they were discussing like Huckleberry Finn, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And in my public school, 
because I was in the advanced literature class. They were discussing Huckleberry Hound. (laughs) No, they were, they were, they were discussing, they were discussing Huckleberry Finn, but not nearly as in depth and the class sizes were much bigger. So a 31, a class of 31, 11 year olds, can't get the same conversation about- I can't even imagine that. Can you, right? Isn't that crazy? So like a class of 11, a 31, 11 year olds trying to discuss Huckleberry Finn is not the same experience. And that's the advanced class at a school I had to test to get into. So like, so like imagine like all the catching up I had to do to go to St. Anne's. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, yeah, everybody at St. Anne's knew I was a prep for prep kid and prep for prep has a reputation around New York. So it's not like, um, me being a prep kid was like a stigma or anything to be ashamed of. Like, yeah, I was poor and black, but they knew I was really smart and I ended up fitting in pretty well at school, but I still have like money hangups and I'm sure that's probably yes. where some of your money hangups come from. Too, oh right? yes. A world on the brink. And as humanity strives to survive, we search for the light in the darkness. Well, your search is over. The Real Tony on Patreon is the mighty torch of reason in unreasonable times. Support and subscribe to patreon.com backslash therealtony and gain access to exclusive footage, audio, photos, and early podcast releases. Support for The Real Tony on Patreon ensures that Coffee with Tony and all Tony-related products and creations will exist for all perpetuity in all times and universes. A basic subscription is just $5 a month. Go to patreon.com backslash therealtony and subscribe today. Civilization is counting on you. I mean, I'm a girl and I'm a black woman. I'm not a girl, I'm a woman. I should say say that. You're a woman. I'm a woman. I'm a a woman. I also wanted to say that. I wanted to be like, you're a woman. (laughs) 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 But like, like, so deserve and self-esteem are really hard things for me. Yeah. But... But it is fucking wild that like you and I like you had a whole yeah. fucking TV show and it was fucking yours. It's crazy. Bro, that is fucking <laughs> nuts. I know. I know. It took me years to process it. And and then I look at some of the ways in which I go, was I grateful enough? Was mm. I appreciative enough? Did I do everything I could? Was I too arrogant sometimes in situations and maybe shot Mm. myself in the foot with the executives? Did I, you know, like what elements of my sense of entitlement got in my way? Mm. You know, like unconscious senses of entitlement. Did I do enough hiring wise? Did I do enough? You know, I do. I think about that. I, when I lost the show, the thing that horrified me was that I just cost everybody a job. That was what I thought. I went, oh my God, I cost everybody a job. And and I know, but it's true because that's my mindset in the sense that. Well, that's exactly why it's 
like not that's so you in particular having worked with you i think that you're very exceptional you're not anything like the white men that i have worked for in and out of television like so there isn't anything about you that's like undeserving anything you had paid more dues than i've probably seen a lot of people pay or had heard a a lot of people's resumes be Mm. but separately and i think this would be more helpful if people were having like sober conversations about stuff like this, as opposed to like the dramatic stuff we're seeing now online. Mm -hmm. I think if not deserving, most people who are doing relatively well or well at all in our industry uh, from any background is pretty fucking good at the thing they do right yes and so yes yes. i like i wish we could have that conversation a lot more where it's like where it's like it's not take four there we have four james in late night yeah and Jimmy Fallon's not even talented. That's a fucking lie. We don't have to tell a lie to have a conversation about what the problem is, which is that, which is that it's, it needs more diversity. Is Jimmy Fallon my guy? Yeah. Oh, he's not my guy. He's not my guy. And if I had to swap somebody out, I could be swapping out Jimmy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what's so fascinating to me about the like post George Floyd conversation. Mm. It's like all of a sudden pre George Floyd conversation didn't happen. And I'm just like, I'm like, um, I remember you. (laughs) I I know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Like, and my thing is, um, what I've been trying to do because I found myself not giving anybody grace, including me, mm-hmm. um, because Twitter is my poison, uh, Instagram and other stuff can be other people's, but I'm not so much of a visual person, but, um, I found myself saying the meanest fucking things to people because why? Because why? Who knows? Yeah. I I was behind my keyboard and feeling like here's something that's very fucking obvious and you're a cunt for not knowing this obvious thing. Yeah. So I'm just gonna be really cunty to you in trying to teach you something or even you more often than not, I'm not trying to teach, right? I'm probably trying to go for retweets. That's ultimately what we're doing on there. Yes. We think, I think there's a belief that yes, there's a thing where you tell yourself you're doing some service, but no. you know in the back of your mind you you're addicted get to the that. dopamine hit. Yeah, the exactly. Dopamine. Yeah. And so like um uh and I've been trying to give more people grace because I saw that sometimes I would be talking to people really reckless. Somebody would talk recklessly to me and I would be like, how dare you? You rude as shit. And then I'm like, 
you rude as shit, Rafa, you fucking dummy. You can't call people cunts and have them expect and expect them to call you ma'am. They might call you ma'am cunt, but you you still a cunt. No. I sorry, can't. I love the C word. I'm sorry. I love cunt. Hold on. Me, I'm gonna say it only because I'm gonna say it that because you've said it enough times I feel I've earned one to say I hate it because it's such it cuts so perfectly through so many things. Yes. It's such a perfect thing and at the same time it's like there is no way at this stage of the game as a 46 year old <laughs> white middle-aged man who had a tv show that you can get on twitter and go you fucking cunts get it together you can't do it you cannot no. do it but you know, it's awesome. <laughs> so i'm glad you do so that I can live through you because <laughs> I, will, I, I will gladly call people cunts for you if you want. I will be your cunt service. Just text me. <laughs> call this person a cunt, please. But also, you know what? That's another racial thing. Black people don't take the word cunt very seriously because we don't throw it around. It's, right. it's a very, like, when Black people use cunt, it is how I just did, which is I know it's ridiculous, and but yes. it just feels good in my mouth. Yes. But people who are black who say cunt are usually, yeah, lots of things feel good in my I'm mouth. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I mean, I tried, but my said, brain was you like. You just said you were 46. You just said you were 46. <laughs> I know, but I mean, come on. I was sitting there going, I think I got to be like. <laughs> <laughs> saying cunt are like west indian and british like it's just or <laughs> yes, they're yes. queer well, the british for sure the brit or they're queer in like ball spaces like think pose ballroom spaces mm -hmm. and cunt means fish or pussy which is like you look so womanly you are so beautiful you, you look cunt today no show oh, i didn't cunt. know that that's yes, great that's that, but that's like specifically black, gay, black, queer, underground lingo. Okay. And like, you'll see maybe like Rihanna at a drag ball or something like that and being like, oh, look, she's cunt, that person's cunt, whatever. And it's a compliment. You know what? This podcast was cunt. That's what I think. Uh, I love talking to Ray and I love listening to Ray. So I, I hope you did too. I think she has some incredible insights and I also enjoy that we can move from talking about systemic racism in the industry and in the world to reality television programming. If you want to hear more, we actually have a pretty in-depth reality television conversation in our bonus episode, which is available only to Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash shaddy uh the real tony sorry the real tony uh the other one is twitch.tv slash shaddy fatty and that's for coffee with tony live monday through friday 12 30 p.m to 1 30 p.m eastern time uh so check your local listings um so i hope you'll follow ray sani on twitter and uh watch for her work on black lady sketch show and you know when stand-up returns go see her live uh Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.